Hello, everybody. Sarah Good Medicine back on the mic here with the uh, Wilma podcast. Welcome back to episode four. We're at the Genesis Center right now in the library. And, um, you know, everything, the way that I've been taught, everything happens for a reason. We just recorded uh, <laughs> a recording of the show. And uh, I guess the universe, I don't know why, but the universe, possibly because it was way too long, but the universe wanted us to uh, do another recording. So this is the second take of episode. Maybe it's because the white guy talked too much. <laughs> I. <laughs> it's very very much a possibility um and uh so um yes uh my uh name is sarah good medicine uh my sacred name is Apiskanaki, uh which means far shooter shoots far my artist name is good medicine all one word uh because i believe we all have good medicine or gifts inside of us I just want to remind you that our email is the Wilma Podcast. That's T H E W L M A Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us at Twitter. Uh, our handle and uh, Instagram, our handle is at the Wilma Podcast on both, spelled the same as the email. Um, and reach out if you want to invite us to record in a public space um, or if you just want to get in touch with us. Also, another reminder is that we are now officially live. On Spotify, we have been good on SoundCloud, but uh, we're finally through on Spotify, and we will be on, uh, we are on some other platforms, uh, but if we're not on a platform you want us to be on, write us, and uh, and we'll work on that for sure. And as always, a uh, reminder, share this podcast with your white friends. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself, and also uh, do, it's your turn to do the final land acknowledgement. Sure. Thanks, Sarah. My name is uh, Stephen Wright. I'm the uh, white guy, the racist guy. <laughs> um, and uh, the land acknowledgement, I don't mind telling the listeners that I, I'm still struggling with this. I do actually acknowledge the fact that I'm very privileged to be on this land and partake in the beauty of nature, uh, whether it's fishing in the rivers or just hiking in the mountains. But ultimately, sometime we have to come to the realization that we have to give the damn land back. Because I still feel like I'm kind of sneaking and trespassing on someone else's backyard. Which I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for, for starting us off that with that way. And uh, big ups to all those, uh, all those people here who make their home. Um, on Treaty 7 land, uh, native and non-native. So uh, we're just going to kind of blow through today. Um, you know, first thing um, that sort of comes up for me is, is intent versus impact. Um, you know, is something that uh, you wanted us to talk about, um, you know, especially around things like justification uh, of intention and also, you know, kind of thinking that what you care about, whether it's intent impact or both is based off of your position as an oppressor or as an oppressed person. Uh, do you want to start Absolutely. us off with that or just elaborate why that was important? Yeah, this topic's actually of a particular interest to me. Um, and I think probably my struggle can be echoed by a lot of other white liberals. Uh, I've spent my whole career um, 
working with people that are marginalized, helping them develop skills, become employed, uh, become independent, and become what the white people call being successful. Mm. Um, really, so um, I, th I think it would be safe to say that my intent, uh, I thought was genuine and I thought was honorable. Um, but really, if you sort of take a look at the impact, I think all we're doing is continually perpetuating the marginalization of people. Mm. And we've actually created a business out of people's marginalizations and, and uh, people that have been oppressed. Yeah, and I like the way you put that um, because oftentimes, you know, that sort of benevolence uh, that comes from having a quote-unquote good intent, you know, comes from being in the position of being an oppressor. I think this is a point that you brought up Absolutely. to me before in, in one of our production sessions. Yeah, uh, because we we know consciously, sometimes people do it unconsciously, but I think consciously, we know that we have power and we know that we can exercise that power. And so um, we're using, we're our intentions may be honorable, but it's all power-based and it's based on our status. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it brings me to another topic that we had here, which is false generosity, which we were meaning to get to on the last podcast, but... A uh, bunch of chatty Cathy's over here. We couldn't seem to uh, get through all of our topics. Um, but I, you know, on that sort of vibe of of intent, you know, or good intent, false generosity strikes me, you know, as uh, as related to that because, you know, those organizations, those do-gooding organizations and do-gooding people, you know, s feel good about themselves because they're doing a quote-unquote good thing. So, but the question is, you know, would they be able, would you even be able to have been in that position to do that good had you not benefited structurally, uh, you know, your power, your position of power been, uh, you know, you were in that position of power because of that oppressive structure that you benefited from? You know, I guess as a question, like, do you think that you could have helped people, um, be included in their communities uh, and to find help uh, or supports for them to include themselves in their communities if you didn't benefit from the society that we're in? Uh, well, I actually think no. And so um, I, I think f as much as I don't like it, as much as I cringe, <laughs> uh, m my, w my whiteness actually has probably helped people a lot and opened up the doors, <laughs> plus the fact that I'm a man. And so uh, in a lot of my advocacy work, uh, yes, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I probably accomplished a lot more because of my whiteness and because of my gender. And that actually, um, to me, that, uh, again, it, it, it's... It, it's overshadowed by an air of benevolency is is mm -hmm. that uh, we get to pick and choose what battles as white folks that we want to to mm -hmm. work and help the op the oppressed overcome their living situation yeah thanks for your your honesty on that because i do agree like you know to own up to sort of the not nice things about ourselves it does cause us to cringe we, you know we're sort of trained you know not to somebody was telling me the other day that i thought was really interesting that in the justice system to admit uh blame or to admit wrong actually has detrimental impacts to you so that our justice system you know benefits people from saving face or by saving face 
And so, you know, we sort of don't have this belief in our society that we need to sort of save face by and essentially not be honest or at least choose to leave out certain things so that we save face, you know, so that we look a certain way. And um, and it really acts to maintain our power or, um, you know, yeah, I think there's maybe some intersections with uh, the justice system, you know, because primarily that justice system doesn't serve BIPOC folks, but um, yeah, it just... Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's else. It's another example of, of, of how um, our society has created these institutions. Um, and, and so in I think the intent actually has become muddled over the years. And, and really a lot of uh, our systems have actually uh, created a brand new business, right? And so people's livelihoods are actually um, dependent on, on, on the oppressed people. Yeah. the people that are marginalized in our society. We've made a business out of it. Yes, and so you might say that the organizations that you've worked for serving people with disabilities over the last 47 years have actually made a business out of those people suffering, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and, the, and, the, and that leads to the false generosity is, is that, uh, and sorry, I'm probably tainted, but, uh, you know, if you've read the news lately, for those of you that actually still do read the news, you've probably heard how our government has actually, you know, has, has decided to put millions and millions of dollars back into social services. Um, and I find it ironic that it's, it's the timing of it is, is all contrived. And so to me, it, it was, you know, you're being really generous and benevolent by actually giving us all this funding, but really, uh, I think the operative word is giving it. Actually, you know mm. that, that people actually deserve that. So that's another good example of where false benevolence. Um, those false people in power actually want to be perceived as as being nice. Yeah, and giving, and it serves to reinforce that uh, power dynamic, and even any uh, any attempt to point out the falseness of that generosity will be perceived as a threat and an attack uh, to that. Uh, but it won't be uh, perceived as a threat to that structure of falseness or oppression. It'll be n the narrative that gets put up is that it's uh, a attack of that generosity. Like it, it, that falseness is not a part of that. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I just want to clarify that I'm not slamming those people that are in power now. This has been happening uh, for, for mm -hmm. a long, long, long time all across the world. So yeah. it's a universal issue. It's not just a Canadian issue. Yes, and, you know, speaking of universal, you know, sort of related is one of our topics, individual self versus collective self and taking responsibility for your collective self. Um you know, one of the tricks that white folks will use are tactics to deflect away from, uh, you know, and really it's any person in a position of a, of a, of a position of, of being an oppressor on a certain hierarchy, but, um, or a system of oppression. But do you want to maybe comment a little bit on that? I think you had a story recently that, um, you know, where, um, I think, yeah, it just was clear to me that, you know, you were sort of processing um, who's, who, like. I think I'll, I'll just share the story and then you can sort of point out what you, you were, uh, you pointed out to me is, is that I was partaking in a conversation 
with a number of people and, and, and one of the uh, pieces of conversation that came up was um, that someone thought that we need to start sharing our privilege and uh, uh, immediately that word sharing our privilege uh, when I heard it I thought that's the most illogical thing in the world but I actually didn't re uh, give a rebuttal to that I just acknowledged that's what the person said and then I, the conversation moved on and, and so at first I thought I was doing it um, being polite because uh, us white folks we actually <laughs> say that we're polite and so we don't actually tell things the way they are but really it was probably <laughs> about uh, saving face as white people and, and uh, yeah, um, that's part of the conditioning uh, and part of my unlearning I want to emphasize the unlearning is because uh, those are learned behaviors. Um, and that's something that we've acquired over the years and I've acquired over the years being a white person. Yeah. And so just to clarify too, you actually felt like it wasn't a good thing that that person said that, but you didn't act on it. Yeah. And so that, that actually goes part, partly about reflecting on things. Part of reflection to make it really valuable uh, is the action part. We need to take action on the things that we uh, realize and we reflect upon, particularly if it involves a power structure and the dynamics are really unequal. Mm -hmm. Action speaks louder than words. So, yeah, and I, I think, you know, especially given that last episode, we sort of, um, you know, addressed that, or we brought up, you know, I made sure to bring up at the end, um, you know, that we don't... Um, just if you could affirm that I'm not attacking you or I'm not being aggressive in what I'm saying, even though people will interpret it that way. Um, and when I'm saying, you know, sort of pointing out that you felt something but you did nothing, you know, and the reason you're sort of saying this reflection and action process, I'm clarifying this with you, is that you're saying that, you know, um, this is a normal part of the process of, of becoming more human and recognizing how we oppress other people and how uh, we, even by saying nothing or doing nothing, you know, especially I think in the context when something feels we get a gut feeling about something and when we do nothing that we can actually be perpetuating uh, oppression. Absolutely. I, I think, again, that, that points out to the fact that there's a lot of people in our society that may think these injustices are true. They may think that they're horrible things. Uh, but but actually it's it's even more damaging if you don't do anything about it mm. uh, and that's that's the piece I think that leads to that uh, level of, of discomfort with people is is the action piece and and when you described this to me initially this story you told me that you your intent was to save that person's face save face for that person do you still feel that way um no actually I, I think i was wrong and not pointing out the obvious i think those are well, one is a, a teachable moment that i actually let slip by because that perception um and it's not to say that when people say these things that they're bad people i think we need to actually understand mm -hmm. that and get over that is it is that when when you when i my actions and when i say things that are wrong and racist it doesn't necessarily make me a, a, a bad person. What it does mean, though, is that I need to put some more thought into my circumstances and my status and where I'm coming from. And so mm. where you said that you wanted to clarify with our viewers that you weren't attacking me, I thought, okay, is it because 
they might think, oh, he's attacking or she's attacking that white person. Like, how dare they? Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that, that us white folks and we need to get over is the fact that that we can have these conversations. And, uh, you know, if you're feeling if you're feeling uneasy about it, you need to really check in with your feelings. What exactly are you feeling uncomfortable about? Yes. I want to clarify that. Thank you. Thank you for making that point. You know, it sort of brings up something, too, um, on the collective level for me. I remember back I was in uh, Tracy Nielsen's uh, race and eth- Theories of Race and Ethnicity class. It's a dialogue class. Uh, shout out Tracy Nielsen uh, from Mount Royal uh, for helping me on my, my own learning journey. And, um, you know, in that class, uh, I think it was probably a few classes into the semester, none of the white folks, or I think there was maybe one white person um, still coming to the class. It was like a few classes in. And, you know, the narrative that was being shared is like, well, we all know, uh, Tracy was saying, well, we all know why they're not here. You know what I mean? And for me, being naive and in my whiteness, uh, which is also to say in my racism, you know, I sort of said to them, well, um, you know, uh, We can't, <laughs> th- you know, Stephen Covey jumped into my mind, um, you know, saying we need to be loyal to the absent. And I was like, well, we don't know what's going on with them. I was really justifying their innocence, you know, of not being in that class. However, you know, thinking back, like, how is it statistically that uh, all the BIPOC students, you know, or most of them made it to the class and it was specifically the group of white folks who didn't come to that class? Like, what was going on there sort of thing? And I remember as I'm defending uh, these white folks, um, you know, and I was sort of on my bullshit, so to, s- so to speak, Tracy got up and started dancing. Like, I'll never forget it. And I was sort of looking at her being like, <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? But I was da- what she was doing is, is in a creative way, you know, sort of showing me that I was dancing for the white man, that I had been trained to dance for the white man and to keep that sort of paradigm of power, which is that white, cis, hetero, um, patriarchal uh, system of power to be upheld. Primarily, you know, similar to lead to how you were saving your own face in that instance, for me, I was preserving my own power in that room because my power came from... Um, white people in that institution and I was sort of acting on my own conditioning of um, preserving my own power and my own um, relationships with white people and my own relationship with, with whiteness. Do you, do you th- I just have a question for you. Do you feel that uh, your intent was to assimilate yourself with, with the powers to be unconsciously? I think I think unconsciously well the thing is like I was brought up in whiteness I was Mm. brought up to believe that white people are superior um, that you know white beauty is more beautiful uh, like white features are more beautiful that white thinking is more intelligent you know all of these things and so I you know was sort of acting on those beliefs because it gave me power it gave me respect it gave me feelings of purpose, these sorts of things. And so um, there's an analogy I wanted to bring up uh, 
called House Slaves. And uh, I know I brought this up with you earlier, um, but um, had you heard of that term house slave before I brought it up yes. with you earlier? Yeah. So uh, for the listeners here, uh, you know, I sort of wanted to bring this idea up that on plantations, slave plantations, that there was a hierarchy that existed. You know, of course, there was this racial hierarchy between white people and black people. Um, but at the same time, there was um, a hierarchy within black folks where field slaves and house slaves were not on the same level that house slaves, you know, had better food, they had uh, warmer places to sleep, you know, better clothes, nicer clothes, um, you know, uh, power, um, prestige, you know, all these sorts of things, these benefits that came from being in proximity to the closer proximity with the oppressor. And so, you know, the more they were loyal to the oppressor, uh, even though we might say they were dehumanizing themselves or acting to dehumanize themselves and their relatives who lived and worked in the fields, um, they were also um, they were also reinforcing that hierarchy so that that didn't change sort of thing. It sort of served to keep black people oppressed, even though they themselves were black. And so, you know, when I was dancing for the white man or those, you know, advocating for the white people in my class that were not, um, what do you call it, that were not um, attending the class, you know, I was sort of being a house slave in that way, uh, you know, to defend them because uh, my position of power in the house, you know, was would have been, was being threatened was really what was happening. And I, so while I you know, was speaking in defense of them, I was really, you know, defending my own position in the house. Yeah, and that, that point of defending ourselves, actually, I think is a, a key factor in, in how we're perpetuating that, the racism that exists. Yeah, and sort of on this topic, too, I think what's, what's sort of interesting, um, so, uh, something that, uh, you know, we shared on the lost recording here, but uh, something I want to bring up again <laughs> is that, um, you know, we're on episode four now, and we've been having these conversations for a little while with each other. And um, the thing is, I feel like when I'm talking with you, you know, one of the things I think I shared was that, uh, I don't know if I've shared this in a recording yet, but that as we're having these conversations about whiteness, part of what this is, is for me, is having a conversation with my family and whiteness, you know, which has been sort of a, a process that we as, as Machif people even though we're indigenous, very much have internalized whiteness and believe that whiteness is superior and um, that, uh, you know, um, so, you know, part of that process, this talking with you is sort of making amends, you know, with the, those sort of controversies in my life or those conflicts in my life. And at the same time, on e maybe perhaps a deeper level, you know, that because I've internalized that whiteness and that consciousness that I, I might be having a conversation with you, but I really am in a way, you know, you're acting as a mirror and I'm having a conversation with my own whiteness. Um, and, um, you know, that that isn't, it's sort of like me having a conversation with the own uh, divided consciousness that exists in me, like both as internalizing myself as an oppressor 
and also internalizing myself as an oppressed person and that both those aspects of co consciousness exist in me and they're sort of in conflict and in conversation and so well you know i'm pointing things out to you really i'm pointing things out that are yeah. inside of me and this white guy actually defending myself during <laughs> our conversations is really me i think internally sometimes justifying what we've done and trying to rationalize it and make and make it seem really good so um well again said. i go back to discussion and dialogue being really cathartic and important mm -hmm. no i feel you um so I feel like that's, you know, a good time to wrap up here. We're doing good. We're just around the 24-minute mark. Um, to wrap us up here, uh, I just want to shout out again that our email is, is thewilmapodcast at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-W-L-M-A podcast.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at thewilmapodcast.com. And uh, you can reach out to us to engage. We need to have more conversations about this, as Steve's been saying. And it'd be gr really great to bring up some of the feedback that y'all have as listeners um, in the next show. So if you have any topics or things you want us to talk about, or if you want to ask Steve a question or you want to ask myself a question, that'd be a great way to do it. Uh, another thing is that we're... Or if you... Uh, if you want to invite us into uh, a public space to do a recording, which is part of our podcast... Um, is that we record in public spaces and that's a, sort of an intentional piece of, of the art that we're doing. Um, you can also reach out to us on those mediums. Another comment is that we've been live on SoundCloud for a few months now, but finally we're up on uh, Spotify and there's a few other platforms we're a part of. I'm currently working on getting us uh, on Apple Podcast, uh, so that'll be up soon. Um, and if there's any other podcast platform that you want us to be on, you can also write to us uh, on that. And uh, so thanks for checking in. Uh, and as always, share this podcast with your white friends. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Take care. <laughs>